Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Transform Sales Podcast, where we dive deep into the science of selling. Today, I am so excited to have Shawanda Roberts. How are you, Shawanda? I am great. I am great. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for being here. Let me tell you guys a bit about Shawanda. She is the Vice President of Sales at Frost & Sullivan and one of the co-authors of the Heels to Deals book. She's an individual contributor and leads a team of talented sales professionals who work to help clients, helping them identify, prioritize, and implement growth opportunities through research and advisory services. Along with work and family commitments, Shawanda devotes her time, energy, and passion to outside organizations with a mix of industry and community involvement, where she has several leadership positions. She is known by others for her passionate and a leader of connection and conviction. Ooh, I love that bio, wonderful intro. So how did you get started and how did you become this person full of compassion and conviction? Absolutely. So I actually got started back in 2006 was my very first foot in the door to B2B sales or professional sales. Prior to that, I was working at a tier one financial institution, um, helping to service and sell consumer loans. And so it was more B2C type things. And it was more of them calling me. So I knew they had an interest in something and I just had to walk them through the process. I had a really good friend at the time that was working at a B2B company that said, hey, you know, you should look into B2B sales. At the time, I had no earthly clue what B2B was, even what it meant or anything. But I went through the interview process, got hired on, started working and absolutely fell in love with working with businesses and helping them understand and figure out growth opportunities to grow their revenue, right? And so I eventually became account executive in the role. And I will tell you, it took me probably a good nine months to even figure out what I was doing because I had to learn everything from what market research was, what consulting was, and even how to prospect and the word persona, I had no idea what that even meant. And so there was a lot of learning and a lot of learning curve, but I grinded and I made it work to where I knew exactly what I was doing. And then I became one of the top salespeople. From there, I, um, you know, continued to learn and grow and learn and grow. And then I became um, a leader in the company. And so I was managing, and I still am to this day, managing and leading a team of representatives that actually trained me when I came into the organization. So it is literally an honor to do that and continue to see them grow just like they helped me grow. So that's kind of my story of how I got into B2B sales. So that's interesting. You went from the B2C world and you jumped over to the B2B world. So what lessons learned or what key things that you learned in your first sales experience on the consumer side help you today to really be a strong salesperson and leader? That is really a good question. And I will tell you, if you asked me that question probably a year ago, I wouldn't have been able to tell you what that was. It was one of my mentors at my job now that hired me on and I just happened to ask her, hey, you know, I had no background in B2B sales and no experience in that industry. Like what made me stand out? for you to hire me. And she said, there was one thing. She said, your smile was contagious. 
number one, and I'm, I'm always a big smiler. Um, and she said, number two, your customer service skills. I knew mm. that with your customer service skills that you had, that it was going to be a very easy transition to get you to learn the B2B sales part and the product or service or solution that we were going to be selling. That can be taught. But she was like, you had that transferable skill that is a lot of times hard to come by. And so she said, that was my number one reasoning for hiring you on. And I never thought about it. And after she said it, I said, you know, that makes perfect sense. Customer service skills, because in sales, we are customer service people as well as salespeople. You, we've got to make sure that the client is satisfied and happy and continuing to come back to us. And, you know, having that customer service focus, that customer is first, I want to help you achieve your goals. That key aspect, that key facet really helps salespeople become better. I was working with a team of salespeople recently and I told them, I said, the sale doesn't end when you get that purchase order. That is when the sale begins. That is when your relationship with the client needs to start. So you as somebody who has this really strong background in customer service going into sales, how do you mix those two worlds to ensure that your team gets, yes, we're salespeople, we have quotas, we have numbers, but the customer service we provide is key. You know, I think one of the things is, and if you think about different organizations, there are some organizations where you, you know, you close the deal and you're off of it and then someone else comes into it. But then there's organizations like mine where I take it from start to finish and I continue to farm the account and try to get more opportunities out of the account. And so I think the biggest thing is being able to listen carefully and come back and make sure that you understand what those challenges or problems it is that they're having prior to even going in and talking about whatever your product, service, or solution is. I think too many of us as salespeople just jump right on in with the product and solution and we don't hear anything about what the real challenge is or we touch on something else that they never said. And so I think that when you take those calls or you're in face to face with them and you're really just trying to understand that you make sure that they understand that you understand exactly what it is that they're saying their challenge is, and then asking those questions like, you know, hey, well, in this particular challenge, if I was able to get you blah, 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 how would you feel about that? And a lot of times it's, oh yeah, that actually would make my job a lot easier, or it would be perfect. You know, I wish there was something out there like that, right? And then taking time to go away and then come back to the conversation with then talking about your, you know, solution or product or service, whatever it is. But I think listening is definitely the key to making sure that you're going to bring the right value in the right product or solution to them right? So that's one. The other one is making sure that the lines of communication are always open with your clients. And so a lot of times when I'm talking to my clients, whatever stage it's at, I make sure that they've got all my contact information. I make sure that they also know that, hey, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, I put it out there. I need you to call me. I take all positive and negative, whatever it is, because my goal is to make sure that there are no challenges that you may have with working with my particular company or working with me, whatever it may be. So keeping those lines of communication open and then also just 
building that relationship, really trying to get to know them, know their role, know what their challenges are in their role. And a lot of times that moves into the personal relationship where you end up knowing any and everything about their family and about their outside activities. And you start getting engaged with what it is they're doing. They're emailing you for fundraisers that their kids are having or whatever. And that's always just great to have. So I would say, you know, those are kind of the keys that I talk to my team about all the time to weave in that great customer service, relationship building, listening skills to where they start to really trust you. And then there's also that credibility that's there because you continue to do what you say you're going to do. I love it. I love it. I love it. And, you know, when we think about, because I tell people I don't really come from that true SaaS or tech background. So I only know about full cycle salespeople. This whole world of SERs, AEs, customer success, it's like I did it all. I prospected. I had to close. I do the demo. I had to farm it. If they had issues afterwards, if it was too technical, I would send it away to technical support. But a lot of times I was handling myself. And I think that one thing when people are deciding like which direction do we go, what is the better setup for our organization, it seems that the larger the sale, those are better with those full cycle salespeople. If you're selling a $10 subscription or a $5 widget or even $20 or $30, the average customer value, lifetime customer value isn't as high, right? Right. Because they'll buy it for them, they'll buy it for the team and they're done. Yeah, that's it. You're absolutely right about that. So you mentioned that you are managing the people who actually trained you initially. Tell me about that dynamic. How was it going from being colleague to manager? Yes, I was absolutely blessed in my particular role because even as an AE to a director, I always had my colleagues cheering me on and telling me, you need to move, you need to move up, you need to move up, you're too good to be where you are. And I was always like, well, no, I don't think I'm too good. You know, I got a lot more to learn. And I mean, I am still learning every day. I'm learning something new every day. So I still, you know, say that when people are like, well, have you thought about looking here or looking there or moving to this particular position? And I'm like, eh, you know, I don't know, you know, because my whole goal and even before getting into leadership, you know, the purpose and my goal was always to do three things, inspire, inform, and impact. Those are the three biggest things that everything that I do and that I commit to in life, those are my three biggest things. And so whatever I can do to help you grow or get to that next level, wherever it is you want to be, I'm all for it. I'm your cheerleader. I'm your motivator. I'm also the one to tell you, okay, you may not want to do that. You may not want to go that route. How about you go this route? And so all of my colleagues have really always been kind of behind me, cheering me and pushing me. Even, you know, my manager at that time was, you know, hey girl, like I see you in a bigger role. I see you making a bigger impact with more people. And, you know, a lot of times it takes other people's confidence or it takes my confidence. It lags a little bit getting to other people's confidence of me, including my husband, you know, and it's, you know, they're telling me that I can do this, but I have to sit back and say, well, can I really do it? And it's that self doubt, right? And I had to learn over the years to basically just say, you know what? That's it. The quote that says, sometimes the only transportation you have is a leap of faith. 
Mm. is true. And so I had to really kind of lean on that quote for many years. And once I started leaning on it and I started seeing things happen, I was like, oh, wow, you know, I give it all. I give it all up. Just tell me what you need me to do. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to keep learning and I'm going to keep going. And so that's what I've done. So tell us more about those three eyes. You mentioned your three eyes. I can't remember. I remember impact is the yes. one that stood out to me more. How do you ensure that as a leader, you are ironclad focused on those things that you hold most dear to you? Sure thing. So with my team every year, well, number one, I am a big motivational quote type person. You probably have seen on, on LinkedIn and everything else. I'm always posting something because that is what energizes me and gets me going. So one of the things that I initiated a few years ago was what we call motivational Mondays, because I understand that Mondays, you know, you may have had a great weekend and Monday is like, oh, I got to go back to work, you know, <laughs> I've been there, done that. Sometimes I still have those days, right? But I instituted a motivational Monday where I would send out this quote to everyone and I started getting emails back from the team saying, you know what, these are great. Like I am literally carrying these all week with me and it's really energizing me and lifting me up if I need to be lifted. So I was like, oh, okay, so it's really doing something. So I started just doing it every Monday and then I started adding more people to the email chain because word of mouth was getting around and people were like, hey, tell me about these motivational Mondays you're sending. And it's just a one or two liner, right? It, that's all it takes. The other thing is at the beginning of every year, I always have a one-on-one -on -one with each person on my team. And I ask them, what are your goals for this year? I want to know your personal, I want to know your spiritual, and I want to know your work career goals. Because listen, I'm there all the way. I'm all in trying to help you whatever it is that I can help you with. And if you think about it, you know, when people hit their personal goals, or maybe even their spiritual goals, you know, it just pumps them up to continue hitting those goals, right? And so I am there to celebrate those small wins and the big wins and to just kind of get them going, right? And so that's another thing that I kind of set up. But then also every quarter, now at our company, they have biannual reviews. Well, I'm like, nope, I'm going to meet with you every quarter, right? Because there's things that you may feel like, God, it was just a bad quarter for me. And it's like, okay, well, let's talk about it. How can we change it? Like, what do you think you need to do, right? And that's also helped to turn some things around, to turn some ideas and also to turn some fears around from people. You know, I've had people that were at one point looking to just move and just get out of the job. Well, if I had not had that conversation with them, I wouldn't have known that. I didn't want to wait six months to hear that or either they're gone in six months and then I'm like, what could I have done? So I always make sure that I keep the lines of communication open. I always make sure that I'm patting them on the back virtually or, you know, in person and celebrating every single win that comes through, even if they get a no or if they get a, you know what, maybe next time. I'm still pushing them on and just saying, you know what, you got this. Let's do this. Let's just keep going. Let's talk about, you know, how we can prioritize the accounts you're looking at and move forward from there. So that's my whole goal. And, you know, the three eyes that you mentioned is, again, inspire, you know, inspire them to want to be better and to want to grow. And it's one of those things where I like to say it's not just going through life, but it's growing through life right? So inspire you to grow through life. And I do the same with my kids. Hey, you're growing. Let's grow through life together, right? Inform. So inform those about 
any and everything that's out there right now, I'm being, I'm a huge advocate, just like, you know, you, Wesley, and, and women in sales and trying to, you know, make sure that they understand and are aware that there is a gender gap in B2B sales. And then impact, you know, how many people can I impact? The more I can impact, the better it is for me. But even if I'm only impacting one person, you know what? I'm still happy because I impacted that one person. And so, you know, when I think of impact, I always think of, you know, again, quote comes to mind that, you know, I can't help everybody, but everybody can help somebody. Mm -hmm. So that just kind of sticks in my head every time I think about something. And I'm like, you know what, even if I help one person, I'm happy. And then let them pass it on, let them pay it for it, hopefully, because I'm paying for it, all of the goodness that my mentors brought to me, all the goodness my parents and my family instilled in me, I'm now paying it forward. You are doing so many of the right activities in terms of sitting down with your team and having them realize that this job is not just about them generating revenue. It is about them generating that revenue that is going to drive them to meet that personal or professional goal, whether it's I want to pay off debt or I want to become a painter, whatever it is, right? And I am curious how you spend your typical day? Because it sounds like you spend a lot more time on people development than you actually do focused on, I won't give it a bad word, but the, yeah, I'll just say the stupid KPIs in the food. Yes. So tell us, how do you spend your days? So I do. And that brings up another good point that I'll bring up here in a little bit, but I just love helping people. I love helping them grow. I love helping them understand where things may be going wrong, especially when it's on the job. Yes, we're measured on KPIs and metrics, and I have those talks with them as well, but I don't spend my time talking much about that. I spend my time talking about how can we change it. And so when reviews come up, there is nothing, I'm so transparent that there's nothing new for them. I mean, they get their review and they know exactly what I'm going to say in their review because we've talked about it several times prior to the review coming up. So there are no surprises. It also, what I was going to bring up is because I am in this player coach role. And so I've got my own individual contributor target that I need to be penetrating and, and hitting my target along with developing the people on my team and making sure that they're hitting target. I've been doing the player coach role for probably about five or six years. And it wasn't until, you know, the books, of course, will always tell you, oh, there's a conflict of interest. You can't do that because you can't balance it and things like that. I never thought about it until COVID hit in 2020. COVID hit in 2020. And I started to feel more concerned about my team hitting target than me hitting target. I could care less if I hit target. And I knew that that was a risk because I was saying, my God, I've never not hit target. So what's going to happen if I don't hit target? And I just moved on with it because I said, the issue is bigger than me. And the way I think of leadership sometimes is serving others before serving myself. And so I worked very hard on people development and making sure that they were mentally okay, that they were physically okay, that, you know, the saying of we're all in the same boat, you know, it's one of those things where we weren't necessarily all in the same boat, but we were in the same storm. And that's from Mike Robbins' book. And he made a good point that, you know, some of us were at home by ourselves during COVID and had no one 
to talk to or, or work with. Some of us, like myself, were at home with three kids and I had to be a, a teacher as well as do my job and, you know, work with the dogs and make sure that they were going outside when they needed to, right? And so it was total chaos at one point. So we were all in different boats, but we were all in the same storm for the first time going through COVID. And so it made me think, is this something, doing a player coach role, is this something I can sustain long-term? And it really, truly made me think about, do I need to look at just going into a leadership role only versus doing individual contributor only? Well, I decided, you know what? I think I do want to move towards that leadership role only, but I wasn't in a rush to do it because I did not want to just leave my team beside with someone else and everything just falls right? And then I'm moving on to my own thing. So right now, I think I'm in the process of just trying to make sure that they're going to be okay before I decide if I'm going to make that next move. And in the meantime, I'm still doing both sides. However, I will tell you that my passion and more of my time is more on my team. And like you said, the people development of it. That's so good. And I can tell based on the things that drive you that developing people and to sit in the back of the room and see your whole team on stage getting their awards for hitting their quota. That means more to you than you saying, okay, I'm on the stage, but I'm by myself. And I think that so often my view of player coach is not necessarily that you're going to be Focus so much on only hitting your number or only your team hitting the number or those things. It is more so that your eyes on two different balls, right? Because if you're in sales mode, that's having one part of your brain activated. Whereas if you're on leader role, it's having another part of your brain activated. So when I think about the player coach, those are the things that I talk to companies about. Like when they're, first of all, I ask them why, like why? If this person is so great leading, why can't they just bring, and I, this is not a self-deprecating term, guys. I, I really, I'm sorry, but I call them a baby sales rep or a junior sales rep, like a brand new person that they can train and mentor to take over their book of business, right? If they're yeah. really that good leading. So that, those are my thoughts, if you will, on the, the whole player coach thing. Yeah. And it's a great way to look at it. I've never really looked at it as two balls right? I've never looked at it that way. So again, I told you, I learn new things every day. So this is one of the things that I'm learning is to change the way or perception that I look at it, that would make it a lot easier, right? For me. And I won't feel down or as bad if I'm not doing what I need to do as much on one side or the other. But I still try to make sure that I'm giving enough attention in order to make sure I'm trying to hit both targets, right? It's almost kind of like when I hit my target, it's like, okay, I'm satisfied, which I know I probably shouldn't be. I should be, hey, you got to exceed, exceed, exceed every year, go above and beyond, right? But what I want to see is I want to see my team getting to 150% of target and 200% of target because when we're at that president's club dinner, you know, I mean, just seeing them happy and getting called up there and reading bios on them. I mean, it's just, it's amazing to me. It just makes my heart smile. And- Sales leadership is not for everyone. People that think about only themselves being in President's Club 
or only doing this or only doing that. Uh, I interviewed somebody recently and they were like, I actually really like selling. I do like leading too, but I kind of like selling a little bit more. And it's a decision you have to make, right? It's not that one is right or one is wrong, but if you really thrive on seeing that customer, getting that PO, hitting, 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 (laughs) then you're going to be more focused on being a salesperson. But if you're like, I love seeing my mini-me's, if you will, like I love seeing them implement the techniques that I'm teaching them, the things that I'm giving them, then you're more suited to be in leadership. You are absolutely correct. And I have been to companies where I have seen it all. And I mean, I have sales reps and even just through LinkedIn, people that don't necessarily work at my company, they work at other companies and they're calling me and saying, I need help. Like I've got this sales manager. They have a book of business too. I am not getting any leads. And then I find out they're getting all the new accounts when a, when a sales rep leaves, they're getting all the big accounts. And eventually they start to see all of that transpire. And then they're like, Whoa, wait a minute. Like I'm in competition with my own manager. It should not be that way, but there are still a lot of companies where it's like that. And I think you have mentioned it and many people have mentioned it before that a lot of these people are getting into leadership because they were such good salespeople. And that is not always the case that they're going to be a good sales leader. And I don't know what it's going to take for companies to understand that. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, I, you, you must have op- wanted to open this Pandora's box for me today. You know, you know I, I did. You know I did. All the time. You know I talk about this all the time. And the thing is, like those top salespeople, a lot of times they're actually not the best salesperson because they're very focused on themselves and hitting their targets. And you have to have that multifaceted view. You do have to have strong sales skills, but you also need to understand it's not just about me. And the sales leaders that fail, those ones are like, oh, there's 18 month turnover with sales managers. It's because nobody's developing them. And so I like the thing is, I'm not even mad at the sales person or the sales manager. I'm mad at the company. I'm mad at the company for thinking it's okay to promote an individual contributor into a management role and not develop them and then fire them in a year when they're not doing well. It's the company's fault. (laughs) That's the problem. Bingo. And I see it a lot. I see it a lot. I hear it a lot. And the only thing that I can say to that, you know, when someone calls me up and says, you know, they're trying to put me on a PIP. However, I've had no in-house training on what to do um, or anything. Like, okay, don't wait for your company. Go out and get it on your own. Okay. That means go out and find if there are free virtual courses out there, let's say you just can't afford it. Okay. Go out there and find free virtual courses, join groups that have like-minded individuals that can help you with some of this stuff, connect with people on LinkedIn that, you know, are talking about this thing. But if you have the money for it, invest in yourself, pay that hundred dollars, a thousand dollars, whatever it is to get the professional development you need to strengthen those weakening areas that you have, or just learning new skill sets. And I guarantee you, they're going to see that 
right? And then you're going to come back and you know what? Don't be afraid to ask the company, listen, you're not giving me professional development here. So I've went out and I've actually found it. Would you be willing to sponsor my professional development and pay for me to get this stuff? Because you're not giving it to me. And I really, really do want to be at this company. However, if you're not going to invest in me, then maybe I should look somewhere else. Don't be afraid to have that conversation. And I know it takes courage and it takes confidence for us to, especially as women, to have that conversation. But it's definitely necessary. And you may be surprised that your company is going to back you up because they probably know, yeah, you know what? We're right. We're not doing what we should be doing from a professional development. We don't want to lose you. We know that you're good. I will go ahead and pay what it is that you want to strengthen those skills that you're wanting to strengthen. And that being vulnerable, going to your manager, your leader and saying, I really want this, but I don't have the tools that I need to actually do this. So I'm asking for you to invest in me. And I had a client recently that was out there looking on her own, looking for like executive coaches or sales training and all of these different aspects. And then her leader came to her and said, hey, we're hiring this person for you. And she's like, oh my gosh, I've been looking for this. But she never once told her boss that I'm struggling and I need support. And it happens all the time. Men, women, it doesn't matter. They're just, they don't want to show that you've given me a promotion. You trusted me to do this. And I think I I might feel like I'm failing, right? And so that is the piece that is so integral. And so when I'm working with people and teams, I talk about this dynamic of managing up. A lot of times we just manage down. We manage our team but we have to manage up. We have to, how do we talk to our boss? How do we show them that we are doing the things that we need to do to drive growth, not in the team, but strategically for the company, because we want to move up in our careers. You're absolutely right. You are completely right. I think another thing that leaders don't really truly think about too much is growing and developing your top salespeople. I think a lot of times we concentrate on, I don't know the right word to say it. It's the middle class of sales reps or the mediocre sales reps. You know, those that maybe don't hit target every year. They're not consistent with hitting target or they hit it. They just hit it right on target. They don't exceed it. Right. But then you've got those that are the top 10% and we're kind of like, they're good. They're going to hit target every year. I'm not going to worry about them. They're good. But my question then becomes, okay, well, how do you grow them, right? And growing them may be one year they hit 110% of target, but how do we get them to 130% of target? Because again, it's still more revenue coming into your company. The more sales they can bring in, the more sales everyone can bring in and getting them to increase that percentage year over year is always a good thing. But we don't look at that. We just kind of concentrate on the 90% and the 10%, we leave them alone. Right. And then when they get ready to leave a company and they go somewhere else, we're like, whoa, what did we do? What's going on? Why are they leaving the company? We've lost a really good sales rep. How are we going to replace? And then it becomes like chaotic. And it's like, were you talking to them? Like, did you know what was going on in their personal life? Did you know what was going on that might have changed their perception of the company they're working for and made them want to go look around? And the key to those top performers is sometimes it's the small things. There was a company I was working with and they had a new salesperson came in after four months. They closed the largest sale. It was like $750,000 that they closed after being there in four months. 
And that person said to me, he never said thank you. He never said good job. He never said, I'm so proud of what you accomplished. Literally mm-hmm. after the sale came in, it was like, okay, that's good. What you got next? Mm-mm. And so it's something just so small, so small as you did a good job. You did something that we have never done in the company before. And what people don't realize is, yes, those trips are nice. Yes, the commission is nice. But sometimes people just want some kind of recognition. So mm-hmm. when I'm showing, I'm like, okay, let's have a sales meeting. And I'm working with the leaders. I'm showing them how to have a sales meeting. We always start with something talking about gratitude. Or what's the word, the word that's on your mind today? Who do you want to give kudos to? Like something, because at the end of the day, salespeople are humans too. That is like, I probably should change my LinkedIn title to salespeople are humans too. They are, and they like to have fun. They love to have fun. And so what I have noticed too is that, you know, not just having these weekly pipeline meetings, right? Where all we're doing is going through numbers. Well, first of all, if I have a team of 10, I don't want to hear nine other people going through their pipeline because I can care less. I'm like, let me tell you what my pipeline is and so I can keep it moving. Go find it in, in the CRM. That's what I tell them. This is not what the meeting is for. Go look in the CRM, period. Yeah. And you know what? If you don't have an accurate CRM, then you know what? You tell them, hey, every certain day of the week, every Monday at two o'clock, I need to have an email with all of your pipelines. And if I have questions, I'll call you or email you back. But you should be able to tell me what we're going to do is we're going to have what we call a weekly huddle. And we're going to talk about updates. We're going to talk about kudos. We're going to actually even have a fun game that we're going to play. It could be an icebreaker. It could be a puzzle. It could be, you know, I'm going to ask you a question and everybody's just going to talk about their personal stories or whatever it is. But it's really just about having fun and making sure that everyone feels good. Everyone is being recognized for whatever it is that they're doing. Plus, we're putting all the updates in that call. So if there's a new product or service or if there's something going on, I'm going to let you know about it right then and there, you know, and then it's also the reminders. And so it's weekly on their calendar every week. We may not meet every week. You know, I might cancel it and say, hey, nothing much to meet about this week, guys. Go out there, happy prospecting, happy selling, yeah. whatever it is, right? But also just making sure that your team knows, hey, my door is always open. Regardless of what's going on, if you have anything that you want to talk about, ping me, call me, text me. My team has every single way to get in contact with me if anything goes on. So again, just having that open communication and feeling like, you know what? She's on my side. She's going to help me through whatever it is that I have. It's a great feeling because even when I was just an AE, it was a great feeling to have that I knew that my manager had my back all the time, regardless of what it is. If I made a mistake, that's fine. She's still going to have my back, but she's going to tell me how to correct it going forward and make sure I don't make the mistake again. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Those are so important. Those meetings where you just have the CRM up and you're going account by account pipeline. That's an absolute waste of everyone's time. Like no, like you said, the person who's doing nothing doesn't want to see the number one person with all these deals in their pipeline. The person who's doing all these things doesn't want to hear you beat up on the person who's not doing nothing. It's just, it's a waste of time. You can pull reports. CRMs these days are too strong for you to not be generating your reports, pull your reports. And then like you said, you reach out to the people one-on-one. But have your meeting so people understand like what the outcome is. Is it we're going to learn a new skill today? Is it we're going to do round robin cold calling? Or I'm going to pull up an email that somebody sent and we're going to go really deep dive on it. Like what are we going to be working on? Because the goal is to build their skills, right? The goal is not to beat them over the head with the pipeline and the forecast. That's it. 
absolutely it. So when you think about your career and you are so passionate about developing people and really helping them grow, what is something or someone you're most excited about having accomplished or done? My goodness. I would say right now, top of mind is actually telling my story in the Heels to Deals book for the first time ever. I always thought that I didn't have a story. You know, it was just kind of like, it was just going through the daily things of going to work, do what I do, have fun at work, hit my target, go home, be a mom, Uber around kids everywhere, you know, and just have fun. Well, I never knew when someone finally came to me and said, listen, you've been in this industry for a while, you've got a story. And I never thought about it like that. And so as I started thinking and I started actually writing that book down, I noticed that, you know what, I do have a story to tell and it's never too late right? It was one of those things where I personally had been naive to the gender gap in B2B sales. I only started really looking at this and researching it probably when COVID hit about two years ago. And so I always tell people that, listen, for the last 14 years, I never knew that there was a gender gap. I was just going with the flow with everything. I didn't have many challenges, which I thought I didn't have many challenges. I thought I was moving up pretty quickly where I wanted to be. But then as I stopped and started researching and thinking and talking to other people, I was like, whoa, I actually have been kind of, you know, I've had a lot of microaggressions come to me that I hadn't, again, I was naive to it. Didn't even realize it, right? Didn't realize that some of my male counterparts were making way more money than me. Didn't realize it. And it wasn't until I started talking to people and researching things that my eyes started to open up and I started to really say, you know what? I've got to be part of this solution. I've got to help bring the awareness. I've got to help, you know, inspire other women to not only get into sales, but to move up the ladder, right? I've got to also inform others about the factual data that's out there about women in sales. And so writing my chapter in the Heels to Deals book, after I did that chapter, really, I was like, I am very happy that I did that, that I decided to do that, that I was honored that someone came to me and said, I would like for you to be part of this book and share your story. Because again, otherwise, if no one had ever asked me, I don't know if I would ever have shared anything about how I got into sales unless someone just asked me. And it wouldn't have been that in-depth. It just would have been, oh, I had a friend that asked me to come in and that's what happened. <laughs> that's it. You know, it's so interesting that you say this. I interviewed another woman of color who's actually in Texas too. She's really? in the tech industry. And she said she didn't realize it either, right? She was just like, I had women bosses. I had a team full of women. I didn't realize that there were things that were going on around me. And one thing that I say when I'm speaking, and a lot of times I tell this to the managers so that they can identify these behaviors, that as people of color, underrepresented minorities, we're taught to go to work, put your head down, work hard. Don't ruffle any feathers. Don't tell your boss that you're doing more than you need to do. Your work is gonna show. And because of that reason, that is the reason why women are not being retained and they're not being promoted because they don't know how to use their voice. They don't yeah. know how to show all of the things that they've done. And so you said that and it just brought it all back to me full circle. It's because of the way that 
we're raised, the culture that we've been developed in. You are absolutely right. Absolutely right. And, you know, I'm working, I've got three kids. I've got two daughters and a son. And my oldest daughter is in high, I mean, not high school. She's in eighth grade, getting ready to go to high school. But it's, you know, even with when her talking to her teachers, you know, she'll come home and she'll say, well, mom, you know, I have a question and I'm not sure why the teacher did this or, you know, they didn't put my grade in and I know I turned it in. And the first thing I say is, well, honey, have you emailed the teacher? Have you done what you should do? Because you're in eighth grade now. You've got to start speaking for yourself, right? Mommy can't always come behind you and do everything. And so it took her a while to just start emailing the teacher and having that confidence to say, I did this assignment. Why did you grade me that I didn't do it or whatever it was? It took her, you know, a good while to do that. But now she's got that confidence. And every once in a while, she'll come back to me and she'll say the same thing. And I just look at her and she knows exactly (laughs) what I'm going to say. You need to do the steps that you need to do first and make sure that it's documented before mommy and daddy get put in the mix. Because when mommy and daddy get put in the mix, we want to have the facts (laughs) and we want to know exactly, hey, she emailed you here, here, here and here. There's no email back. What's going on? And so now she understands the concept and it's, you know, my mom and dad taught me the same thing is, hey, speak for yourself before we have to get involved. That way we can say she reached out to you. You didn't respond. So now you got to deal with mama and papa bear. (laughs) Yes. And I can actually see a very big difference between I have two boys, 13 and seven. And the seven year old was born in the height of my sales career, like. I tell people, you know, I was literally in the bed having contraction, texting people like, hey, we got to do this, we got to do that. Like in the height of my sales career. And he is so much more of a self-advocate than even my older son who, you know, he, when I would pick him up from school and we'd go home. And so he didn't really get as much of that. And so now I'm having to instill it into him later. He's actually in eighth grade too. And we're going to his, um, his night, whatever tonight, actually the acceptance night. night or whatever. So, you know, even instilling those things in our kids so that we can change the next generation so that the sales profession in 5, 10, 15, 20 years does look different. I think that we have a responsibility to do that. Yes, absolutely. And it's funny because, you know, when we pre-COVID, you know, the kids wanted, they wanted a dog. And I was kind of like, eh, yeah, yeah, I'm not ready for a dog, even though I grew up with dogs, right? My mom always had a dog for me. I was like, yeah, I don't know if I really want a dog. I'm not ready for it. And I felt bad because I was like, I grew up with dogs and they want a dog. So they actually put a presentation together about the best dog that we should get. And it was my first time seeing them actually give me a sales pitch. (laughs) And although we did not get that dog, they still won us over because instead of us getting one dog, we got two dogs. (laughs) (laughs) Double the trouble. I love it. I told those kids, I said, listen, you know, y'all should go into sales, right? And they were like, well, yeah. And so when you ask them, well, what is, what does sales mean? And one of them told me that just means meetings. You're just going to be in meetings all day because they're used to me being on Zoom meetings and everything else. And so I thought it was so funny, but I said, you guys have had your first big sales pitch to me and y'all did a pretty good job. So I think y'all may need to look at that going forward. So we always laugh about that, but um, they closed the deal and they got more money out of me. (laughs) I love it. Double the trouble. 
Well, yes. what is the one best way that people can get in touch with you if they want? To? Well, I am very active on LinkedIn. And so my LinkedIn is open to anyone. Just um, I'm under Shawanda Roberts. They can reach out to me. The only thing I ask is that you put a message to the request because I get a lot of requests where people are just wanting to sell me something. And um you know, I'm in sales myself and that's just a big no-no for me. So I will decline you if I don't get a message from you saying why you want to connect with me. So if you could just let me know where you saw me and where you want to connect or why you want to connect, that would be great. I am open and willing to help any and everyone that is looking at a sales career or that's looking to move into leadership. I am willing to help anyone. And so it's just time to go out there and be amazing. Thank you so much, Shawanda. This has been an amazing, amazing conversation. And I know you guys see that this went a little bit long because we were having such a good time. So thank you so much for your time, your talent, your expertise, and your passion about sales leadership. I've thoroughly under enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so much for having me as one of your guests. And it has been a great time. And I know we went over time, but we can talk all day long. And I'm sorry about that. But I hope that this inspired some of you all that are listening. And if it did, let me know. Let Wesley know. We'll be happy to hear that. Thanks. Thank you so much again. And that was another episode of the Transformed Sales Podcast. Remember, in all that you do and everything and every day, transform your sales. Until next time.